Hey, this is the True Crit Podcast, where me, John Digital, and Lizzie Benito get pretty nerdy about an artist's discography. This season, we're talking about Steely Dan. If that sounds like your bag, you are in for a wild ride. How's it going, Lizzie? A wild ride? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be slightly above GCSE English analysis of Steely Dan's lyrics and music. <laughs> which i'm into yeah i'm sure it's not going to be that bad oh it's going to be amazing it's going to be groundbreaking <laughs> when <laughs> did you first hear steely dan how did you get into them i'm always so, interested to know this i am a big six music listener i used to listen to lauren laverne's show all the time yeah and her dad loves steely dan Ah. And she, yeah, she raves about them all the time. And I was like, I really need to just check them out. And I went straight to Asia. Nice. And that's probably the gateway drug into this the band. Ga <laughs> the gateway drug to Steely Dan. And just absolutely fell in love with the album, fell in love with the band, fell in love with their lyrics, how they put songs together. And then it just went from there. So that wasn't all that long ago. That was probably like, gosh, four or five years ago. What I said to myself was, I'm going to listen to a new album and discover a new album, a couple of albums a year, and then just got into it that way. And I love them. Amazing. That's quite interesting that you made like a really concerted effort to get into all their records. I love that. I think that. it's because when, when people just rave about a band so much and people you respect, you think, oh, I'm just going to check them out. And yeah, I mean, who knew they were a really good band? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're, they are a really amazing band. My entrance into the Dan Back catalogue actually comes through hip hop because... Um, De La Soul. De La Soul. Yeah. Or they sample Peg from Asia. And when I learned what samples were, I always wanted to know what that song was from or what that sample was from in the song. Yeah. And I think I just had a conversation with someone and it just got into that. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's Peg by Steely Dan. And I was like, who? <laughs> what? And uh, again, the first record I heard was Asia. They actually put out a box set in the mid-90s called Citizen Dan. And I bought that. It's all their records spread over four discs, which is kind of annoying because it means you can't actually listen to one album in its total. You always have to change a disc. Uh <laughs> Like, That's quite it, retro. Yeah, it is quite retro, isn't it? Like, Asia's split over two discs, which is really annoying. Or not all the records, because obviously it's only four discs, but Asia being split over two discs is fucking annoying. But then that kind of goes back to the old, like, LP days, though, doesn't it? Having yeah. to flip the LP over. Yeah, yeah, and I to hate To listen to the that. other side. Do you hate doing that? Yeah, it really annoys me. Oh, no, because I like the idea of, well, what's on side A and what's on side B? How have they split the songs? Good. We're here to chat about one of the most cynical pop bands of all time. So cynical. <laughs> so cynical and, and can't buy a thrill. It really seeps out of that album, I think. Do you? There's a lot of signposts to where they will go. Yes. It's still a little bit green around the gills on this record. It's a tiny bit, as we will discuss over other episodes kind of disappears quite quickly <laughs> so can't buy a thrill that's um, what we're going to talk about today and i don't know about you lizzie but 
it has always been my least favorite record by them. I don't know if it's my least favorite. I kind of treasure it a bit because I just feel like the audacity of them coming out from virtually nowhere. Obviously, they were established with other bands prior to them forming Steely Down. But to come out with an album as kind of technically accomplished as that as your debut album, like what the hell, guys? The songwriting is definitely quite advanced for a debut record. Yeah. I don't think there's many bands from around that time put out such a strong debut no and it's got well it's it's got like two massive singles on it yeah like reeling in the ears yeah it's just you know a kind of a classic road trip song isn't it yeah until you read the lyrics until you read the lyrics (laughs) that's the thing about steely dan is you think oh this is a jolly sing-along song let's read the words oh wait a second (laughs) so yeah so it opens with do it again that's song one side one it's a very chilled start isn't it start but like you say when you actually start digging into the lyrics i mean they're going for the big themes they're going for gambling killing a guy las vegas (laughs) yeah they do set their stall out quite early so they have a bit of a habit of whinging about girls yeah they do kind of like to think that maybe they didn't have much luck in that area because they seem quite nerdy guys yeah oh bless them (laughs) they're two-timing women yeah across this album quite a lot isn't it yeah, it is. Do it again. The way it's structured, I find really interesting because a melody just is really simple and it's repetitive and it lends itself to this wheel turning cycle of almost self-destruction. Yeah. It's this kind of idea of, oh, I really fucked up this time, but I'm still alive. So, hey, I'll do it again. Yeah, that's not the only song that, that references that. And I kind of feel like with Do It Again, person of this song, reflecting that kind of American dream gone bad. Yeah. And everyone's just in it for themselves. You're kind of stuck on a bit of a cycle. Yeah. Which is pretty full on stuff for 1972. I know. And like the the opening song on your debut album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Donald Fagan's lyrics, do use a lot of imagery. Mm-hmm. Not in a kind of cheesy way, not in a, a way that seems a bit over the top like someone like Bruce Springsteen who you know really tries to kind of write a character yes it's more kind of broader strokes and you need to read between the lines a little bit yeah to fully understand you know what they're talking about that's what I've really enjoyed actually putting together this digging into the lyrics and trying to get my head around them because some of them are a little bit obscure yeah um the gambling references and talking about is it a shovel in your hand which is obviously a a spade a club yeah yeah, from gambling from cards yeah and then this idea of backjack do it again which is blackjack yeah 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 which is pretty amazing
It's a great way to open the record. I think it starts off really strong and you just get that whole polished sound of them quite easily. I think musically, it's difficult when you know the whole catalogue because kind of musically this record sounds a bit naive a little bit. Yeah, it does. And the album as a whole doesn't sound as cohesive as the other ones. No. With Dave Palmer singing some of the songs as well, it sort of it makes it feel a little bit disjointed because there are some so dirty work. Yeah. I love dirty work. Yeah. But I know that Walter and Donald didn't like it and the label made them put it on the album and they didn't perform it at all until much later on. I think it's a beautiful song and I just think it's weird because it doesn't really fit in that well with Donald's vocals, which is a classic Steely Dan sound, isn't it, really? The Donald Fagan, like, slightly sort of snarky yeah. singing. I always feel like he's on the verge of going out of tune. He's like Donald. right on it, yeah. That's brilliant though. Barbara Streisand does that. She almost sings out of tune. And Neil Young, who you know yeah. is you know famous for how his voice sounds, but it's it just works. Yeah, that's the best thing about it. Yeah, I yeah. think with like dirty work, I always in my head I hear Donald singing it. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh yeah, I don't wanna do your dirty work. I'd love to hear him sing it. And do you know what? I probably did hear him sing it when I went to see them uh, last year, was it? No, it was the year before, wasn't it? Ah, uh, do you know what? I had a lot of red wine that night. All the years blur into one for me at this point. <laughs> so he probably did sing Dirty Work and I don't remember it, but that was in the O2, so it doesn't count. But yeah, I'd love to hear him sing that song. But he really struggled with confidence in his yeah, vocals for a long yeah. time, which is such a shame because his voice is just fantastic. It's awesome. And it gets better like, mm, it, it, yeah. as the records go on, especially just his phrasing and the way that he puts together the vocals in songs. You know, by the time we get to Gaucho, it's super advanced. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I really I don't like David Palmer's voice very much. So I... There's something about the kind of the opening verse of this song that really reminds me of Sandy Denny. It's quite folk rocky. Yes, it is. Do you know what? While I've been listening to this record, knowing that we're going to put this episode together, I kept thinking, like, who does that remind me of? Yeah, it's Sandy Denny. And you've just hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Yeah, Sandy Denny. Hey. Yeah, I could imagine her kind of singing. It's got yeah, that kind it's... of English, like, folk rock yeah. thing. Yes. Fairport Convention, Pentangle. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Which is totally wrong for Steely Dan. Yes, agreed. Totally wrong. Yeah. But I love it still. I find that they've given Dave Palmer all the kind of sing-along songs. Yeah, the kind of, like, torch-waving, like, cigarette lighter. Yeah. You yeah. know, the kind of... Yeah. This song's like really fucking mean what dirty work yeah do you not think oh, it's another whingy song about a girl yeah he's obviously like stuck in the middle of something he just doesn't want all the shit that comes with the relationship that he's having yeah but he still keeps going back yeah she keeps sending the maid out and he keeps who is, on who is he shagging by the way she's got a maid i don't know just some 
world to do. <laughs> Beverly Hills. Oh dear. Maybe she's like a sugar mama. Maybe she is. Maybe yeah. she is. Oh, it's this kind of tragic figure yeah. that they just love. They do love a loser. They love a loser. They love a loser. I'm not going to jump ahead because there's there's a song a little bit later in the album that I want to talk about. Yeah. When they identify. <laughs> I really like this song. I find the vocals maybe a little bit too treacly. It's it's quite kind of nursery rhymish, isn't it? Do you think? Yeah, I, it's got I a don't know. I, about it. I think because it's quite folk rocky. I was raised in a folk music environment, so I automatically like folky melodies. Yeah. So I really like it, and I find it really pleasing to sing along to. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's really so, nice. Yes, I find it very pleasing to sing along to. Some of the imagery is a bit, it's a little bit clunky. Like the second half of verse two. Where he says, yeah. like, like the castle in its corner in a medieval game. Yeah. I foresee terrible trouble and I stay stay here just the same. Not understanding like... chess. <laughs> yeah. Probably gives me a, a disadvantage to understanding that song. Oh, while I think about it, have you heard the Pointer Sisters version? No. Yeah, the Pointer Sisters did a version of it. Oh, wow. I don't like it and I love the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. But you should check it out because it's an interesting interpretation. Moving on to Kings, Lizzie. I fucking love this song. You love Kings? Yes. Tell me why you love Kings. I love Kings. This is such a weird. I love Kings because it reminds me of Disney's Robin Hood. <sighs> okay. Because you've got King Richard, you've got King, King John. Yeah. And it's got a really nice groove to it it's a three and a half minute song but it feels really epic it's just got that kind of wide lens steely dan feel to yeah. it yeah and um, there's some quite nice time changes in it the backing vocals are just just soaring just beautifully I just like the words and I like the way that it rolls and it's got a really nice jazzy guitar solo, which always pricks up my ears. <laughs> <laughs> So I found out that on the album sleeve for this, they have no political significance written 
next to the entry for this song. Oh, because it's King Richard's, like uh, Richard Nixon. Nixon, Nixon yeah. Ah, oh, nice. And yeah. they were like, no, 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 I don't think it's about that. Yeah, yeah. But how can it not be? <laughs> how can it not be? There's a couple of things in here that make me think that there's an influence there for Nixon, for Vietnam. Yeah, I think that's about Richard Nixon. Yeah, I would agree. Just even in the first verse, saying about hearing the bugle playing. But who do you think King John is JFK? Potentially. But I there's I feel like there's an idea of this guy was great but awful. If you're thinking about Robin Hood, then this other guy coming in, he's great, but also he's shit too. Yeah. Because I did some kind of reading around this and I did see kind of like the allusions to to Richard Nixon and I can totally see it in the lyrics mm -hmm. there's just you know it's it's just there it, you don't even have to really interpret it much Disney's Robin Hood Robin Hood and the snake <laughs> doing the googly eyes hypnotizing people Jungle Book is it yes no that happens in Robin Hood as well does it yeah definitely tr trust in me yeah, but they, I'm sure that happens in Robin Hood as well. It's this aggressive anti-snake lobby that Disney <laughs> promotes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about Midnight Cruiser. Cool. Let's talk about Midnight Cruiser. I had a bit of an epiphany when I was listening to Midnight Cruiser. So I don't know enough about Thelonious Monk. Okay, yeah, I, I don't either. To know what really what they're talking about. But I was really struck by the lyric, I am another gentleman loser. And I feel like this might be the first official introduction to the sort of ubiquitous Steely Dan tragic male protagonist who kind of falls into shit situations and does terrible things, but is always somehow redeemable. Right, okay. This is the first introduction to this person. I'm reading a lot into <laughs> the lyrics here. But, but it's there, isn't it? It's it's not it's not just I love you, you love me, we're gonna live forever. Um in perfect harmony. You know, I just made up some lyrics, but That's um, beautiful. <laughs> but they are quite wordy songs they and they are. you feel that, that every line is exactly how it should be. Exactly. You know, they didn't rush writing the lyrics. The lyrics are integral to the song. Mm -hmm. And there is a theme that runs through. Yeah, like you're just saying that whole kind of redemption. The only thing I would like moan about this song is that they let the drummer sing it. Yes, they did. They did let him sing it. They let him sing another song as well, I think. Did they? Yeah. I thought it's to David Palmer and then this guy, Jim Holder. Not, not on this album. They oh, let him right. sing Dallas. Ah, yeah. That was the single off this record that's not on yes. this record. Yes. That I've actually never heard because it's really hard to find. No, I've never heard it either. It's never, I've never heard of it either. It's never gone out on CD. No, no. I find his voice sounds half like Dave Palmer. Yeah. And half like Donald Fagan. It reminded me a bit of like Jackson Brown. Okay. Just that kind of, you know, golden-eyed young man. I don't know. It's not always a good idea to let the drummer take over the vocals, is it? There not, are, there, not are some, there are some exceptions. 
Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins is... That's literally the only example yeah. of letting a drummer sing and it being successful. Yeah. There are no other examples. Don Henley from the Eagles. Oh, all right, let him off. <laughs> Fair enough. It reminded me a little bit of Taxi Driver. Yes, yes. It's got like a bit of a creepy feel to it. Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader kind of staying up late listening to this and just... The midnight Cruiser. Midnight Cruiser and... Yeah. You know, Where are some, you going, Midnight yeah, Cruiser? Just a silent car rolling through the night. Tell me where are you driving, Midnight Cruiser? Where is your bounty of fortune and fame? I am another gentleman loser. Drive me to Harlem or somewhere the same. But he's chatting to his pal Thelonious, Thelonious Monk. Yeah, just listen to some crazy jazz on I a stereo. I think I need to learn more about Thelonious Monk to totally understand that song. But Gentleman Loser. Yeah. I kind of want to form a band called Gentleman Loser. <laughs> you so should. It's a good name for a band, right? Yeah, that is a really good name for a band. <laughs> and I feel that in itself sets a precedent for the back catalogue of good band names in their lyrics. Yeah, totally. Well, their band name is a belter, really. Yes, taken from the most bonkers book I've ever read. I've never read it. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I read it when I was 15 and it like oh totally God. like melted my mind. Yeah, I bet it did. Because it's the first graphic gay literature or anything in films or TV or anything showed me a completely different world that I didn't know living in Cornwall at the age of 15. It's a pretty powerful book, but I just love the fact that obviously they'd read it and they thought the name of a dildo was a really good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing name for a band. Yeah, it is An amazing really good. name for a band. Midnight Cruiser, moving on to Only A Fool Would Say That. I'm not sure what I think about this song. My My note for it, and I've only got one note, for this song and it's Becker and Fagan greatest pop cynics <laughs> is that literally all you wrote down for this song yeah I wrote quite a lot down for this song amazing just felt like that just summed up because it's a very world weary song isn't it yes I kind of want to know who inspired it I feel like it was inspired by somebody Oh, they don't like cowboys much, do they? <laughs> no, that's they don't. That's something that's really struck me. Is yeah. like they're always complaining about cowboys. That's true. Yeah, that God is damn true. Cowboys, because the guy is this a boy with a plan, and then wearing a white Stetson hat, and he's incredibly idealistic. But then they're basically saying, "Dude, look at this real person who's got a shit life in yeah. his brown shoes, and try and be him for the day." A boy with a plan. Be realistic about what it's really like in the world. The world has been on fire. It is a bin on fire. That's why I just feel this song is so cynical, especially because they must have been in their, what, like early to mid-20s at this yeah. point? Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're seemingly kind of damning 
the next generation of wide-eyed bucks and just saying what you think is the world is nothing like that and you're a fucking dickhead if, Basically, you, if you think that. This is this is boomers versus millennials in <laughs> 1972, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Twas ever thus, dear. <laughs> I'm actually, I find that really funny. <laughs> it's like 1972 and they're like, these young'uns. Yeah. They don't know they're born. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking, it's just. They were like really young when they yeah. wrote it. God, love it. Love, love cynical young people. And they were already like Waldorf and Statler. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to keep bringing up, but that's a theme throughout. I get the feeling that they feel that they are the generation. Everybody else is wrong. Like, we're right. They've got this kind of us versus them ideology in their songwriting. One of the reasons why I relate to them so much is because they don't portray heroic people. They portray yeah. complex gentlemen losers. Yeah, yeah. They're people who are just victims of life they have made mistakes they're human beings and i really relate to that yeah me too definitely because that is what the world is like exactly it's not anything else it's, it's the same in 1973 as it is in 2019 which is slightly depressing yeah in a way maybe steely dan is the true millennial band it could be there is a you know think about that got like the big jazz revival they oh fit God. very well into all of that they would this is the resurgence of the dan <laughs> this this podcast is the start <laughs> it, it's the spark it is you know we're we're coming to the next big song yeah so that's just to say if we were listening on vinyl only a four would say that is the close of side one and then we begin side two with reeling in the ears reeling in the ears it's, it's probably big. their most. It's, yeah, it's probably their most famous song, isn't it? Really, in the ears. You know, if you said to somebody, "I like Steely Dan," it's a good chance that they would know this song. Yeah, literally nobody knows anything other than this song. If they yeah. don't know Steely Dan. That's this is the only one they know, and that's not me being like, "Oh, you don't know any <laughs> Steely Dan songs." It's such a big song. It's almost yeah. bigger than them, really. I suppose. Yeah, definitely had this on radio too a lot. Yes. It's road trip classics. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But it's a good song. It's oh, it's an amazing song. It carries on the themes of Only a Fool Would Say That. Yes. Because the first lines of Only a Fool Would Say That, it talks about like summer and salads. Obviously, salad days. Yes. From Shakespeare. Yes. And then this opens with... Your everlasting summer, you can see it fading fast. So you grab a piece of something that you But again, he's talking to a woman and he's talking yeah. really badly to a woman. He's got the arm of a girl. Yeah. Again. Yeah. He says, well, you wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand. That's such a it's, brutal thing to say. It's really brutal. And also he implies that she went to college, but like lasted a weekend or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. The weekend at college didn't turn out like you had planned. Yeah. The things that pass for knowledge I can't understand. He's not very nice to her. No. The whole song is just really mean. Yeah. And but it's got a really jolly chorus. So. It has. But for what we were saying about this song being the only song a lot of people would know, it's 
just a really brutal song. Yeah, really brutal. There's no accountability for him. He's only showing his side of the story. Yeah, and the way he delivers the verse, it's almost like he's speaking the words. Yeah. He's kind of struggling to get them out. Yeah. He's just totally laying into her. Yeah. But it is exactly the same as the boys are back in town. (laughs) And also, because I did look up to see if if that was talked about, because I know we had a conversation. Yeah, yeah. About it. Somebody else threw in the song, So It Goes, by Nick Lowe. I don't know if you know that song. No, I have to check that out. I will send it to you. Thin Lizzy definitely ripped off parts of this for sure. song. For sure. Like the verse, the way the verse is delivered yeah. and then the guitar yeah. solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point where I've got both of them playing in my head simultaneously right now and I can't work out which is which. <laughs> but I have literally been segueing the chorus, are you reeling in the boys are back in town? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a mashup nobody wants it. <laughs> Isn't that most mashups? Though? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from that one, which is The Strokes and Christina Aguilera, that's the yeah. only good mashup. It's worth noting the guitar in this, the solo, is that by a guy called Elliot Randall. And this is the first example of them using a session musician to come in and do something that the rest of the band can't do. didn't know it wasn't jeff jeff skunk baxter oh such an amazing name i love that name bless him he didn't like that name (laughs) did he he not no he just got given it It was like why are you calling me skunk and it just stuck (laughs) bless him yeah have you listened to any ultimate spinach no so that was his band before steely down right okay so i haven't listened to any ultimate spinach yeah but that is also an amazing band name. That is a really good name. Ultimate Spinach. Yeah. No, all I can think of is the front cover of a can album, Vitamin C. Uh, Egg Bamiazzi. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can think of in my head. Anyway, Ultimate Spinach. Check Ultimate them out. Spinach. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Baxter, I won't call him Skunk, just in case he's listening. He might listen and be really upset. He ended up joining Doobie Brothers. So yes. he kind of kept in that 70s American rock aor whatever you want to call it but he now advises the military i love this story <laughs> i've yeah because i only found this out recently i was like oh my god yeah incredible 
So he just had that kind of, you know, rock and roll dream during the That's, 70s. Yeah. And now he's got like mega high security clearance. Now he's a boomer. <laughs> he's a boomer. <laughs> he's a boomer with security clearance, the worst yeah. kind. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Where are we? What's next? We oh, are fire in the hole. at Fire in the Hole. This is another track that reminds me of Taxi Driver. It's not clear if the protagonist of this song, if he's been in the war or he's yeah. about to go into the war. Yeah. So that's what I was confused about. Yeah. Is, is he kind of hiding? Because he talks about his yellow stripe. Yeah and shaking it off yeah and kind of getting on with it do i swallow my pride or wait until it's yeah i couldn't work that out and it says my life is boiling over it's happened once before i wish someone would open up the door don't you know there's fire just can't help but think of like Travis Bickle driving in his cab and just hating the world, but feeling like he could just destroy it all if he really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. This song particularly stumped me. Because of what it's about or? Because of what it's about and because I couldn't quite kind of get under its skin right yeah because it's this woman's voice that he's talking about and it's what the significance of that is maybe there is no significance maybe i just got too danified yeah that's a word danified danified nice and was looking too much into it yeah but i definitely think it's something about the war Oh, yeah, no doubt about that just weighing it up it must have been like a really difficult position to be in at that time, mm. you know, with a draft, we've never lived in a time where there's a draft. It must be horrible for you to feel that you're going to get drafted and you're just waiting for it to happen and you might not even come home. Yeah. And then you get your doctor to say you've got shin splints <laughs> twice. Ooh, topical. <laughs> I do find that this song is a hint of what's to come as well for later yeah albums yeah, yeah. it's could because i feel like it could be on the royal scam it could yeah it's kind of a little bit more advanced than the other songs on this yeah for sure for sure it's got a really tasty jazz piano solo in it oh the piano yeah love the piano yeah you just want to kind of immerse yourself in it There's flavours of jazz like all through this record. Yeah. But but that is probably the most extreme like jazzy moment in the album. Mm. I like it. It's a song, as I said at the top, I've never been a big fan of this record. I kind of feel like I've rediscovered it and it's not as bad as I thought it would be. And, <laughs> and that solo in that song is especially one of the highlights for me yeah. of, the, of the whole album. Yeah. I think I'm just going to keep going back to this song to try and get my head around it. Yeah, cool. Do it. 
I'm going to. Yeah. Then I'm going to do an in-depth two-hour podcast <laughs> about far enough. <laughs> It's picking it apart word by word. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't, probably won't do that. So, should we get the other David Palmer vocal out of the way? Yeah, come on. Brooklyn. This song, this, this song confuses the life out of me. Me too. One of my notes is not sure what it's about. Yes. What is it about? So, I start off talking about the angels and then there's money laid out and I'm thinking, are they in a church? Is this the collection plate in a church? And then we're talking about golf. <laughs> and I'm like, is he talking about Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah, I've got absolutely no idea. And then literally, what does it mean? Brooklyn owes the charmer under me. That doesn't mean anything. I was thinking like Brooklyn and like gangsters. Oh, gangsters. Maybe he's a product of his environment. His persona is because of Brooklyn. I'm, I'm jamming here. Keep maybe, jamming because I've got nothing. Maybe it could be that. Maybe he's saying like Brooklyn is why he is like he is. Don't know. I've got no idea. But again, I really enjoy singing along to it. And I think Dave Palmer's songs are my favourite to sing along with. Yeah. They're giving the sing-along ones. Go on, Dave. Yeah, you can do this one. Have the sing-along one, babe. Give it give it some welly. Yeah. Because you're not going to get the chance to do it again. <laughs> yeah, we're going to kick you out real soon. Yeah. <laughs> when I was talking about the jazz on Fire in the Hole, this is almost like a country ballad, isn't so, it? So, when this first sort of kicks in, I'm a bit like, this is George Benson. <laughs> George Benson's <laughs> Mellow Moods. <laughs> that guitar, when it sort of kicks in, it's like, yeah, properly kind of, no offence to Radio 2, but... Proper Radio 2. Proper Radio 2. Yeah. I kind of like it. I've got no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, that's probably why. But I think overall, this is the only Steely Dan album that has songs that are near being clunkers. Near, but not actual. Not quite. Just not quite, but they're teetering. Do you think that's because of the context of the songs, though? Because if you take the clunkers, as you put it, out of the context of a Steely Dan album and put them on their own. They are really good songs on their own. They're yeah, really well produced. True. They're really well written. It's just incredible musicians playing on them. Just got Fire in the Hole. You've got Do It Again. These brilliant classic dance songs. And then yeah. you've got, you know, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> Floating around there with a completely different singer, a totally different sound. Yeah, yeah. And I think because of that, it doesn't gel no, overall. And, and I think they very quickly realised that. And that's why, as we'll most likely reiterate over all the other albums that we speak about, they're very good at knowing what works and what doesn't work and then yeah. just improving on what works. And I like that about them. I really, really like that about them. Yeah. Super nerdy. Yes. Into it. Yeah. Uh, change of the Guard... Change of the Guard, a rare positive outing. Yeah, right? This song, when I read the lyrics to it, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like they must have spent the day out in the sun somewhere. They had a great day out. Yeah, they had a they had a couple of like Bacardi breezes. 
<laughs> yeah, down the beach. Yeah. A couple of Bacardi breezes had a great time. Yeah. Didn't have a bad time with their girlfriends. No, played like frisbee. <laughs> yeah, had a great day out and uh, wrote a song. It's even got na-na-nas. I know, it's got na-na-nas in it. Only jolly songs have na-na-nas in it. Yeah. Hey Jude. Yeah, oh It's got shit. na-na-nas in. God, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a happy song, it's got na-na-nas in yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, like what the hell? Oh, is Jeff playing the guitar in this song? Most likely, I don't. I would imagine, yeah. I, th- I, don't know, I think the solo I love, is him. Love his solo in this. If it is him, I love it. It's so like fizzy. Yeah, yeah. It's, I it, absolutely love it. It is a really nice guitar solo in this song. Mm. But yeah, this song is literally like a call to arms. Totally, the fire beneath your feet. Yeah, change the guards. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Are you, maybe they were on glue. (laughs) (laughs) They were on something the day they wrote this. That's a given. It's like what they were on, how much of it. Just the combinations, like George's Marvelous Medicine, like (laughs) weren't quite kind of measuring what they were doing. And then what comes out of the experiment is that they're just like, come on, we need to fight out in the streets. Feels weird. Coming from anybody else around that time it would have been like yes but coming from these guys they just spent like a whole record telling you that the world's gone to shit yeah totally totally it's a very kind of odd one out this song but i i I love it it's very jolly yeah it's very it's a rare jolly outing from them yeah exactly i guess we should kind of make the most of it we should we should because because the next song Ah, oh, the next song. Oh, God. Ending on a downer. Love it. I love it. It's like, let's be really jolly. Hey, let's sing about taking an overdose. Yeah, let's talk about, let's really get into it. Let's yeah. talk about heroin. Let's talk yep. about morality of yes. a heroin user. Yes. Let's, you know, talk about religion and how you can betray yourself as you know not in charge of your own life this is the lot in it so there's a bit the way it's recorded the first verse when he's with stocking face i bought a gun the plan was set the plan was done yeah that those first three lines come in one ear yeah they're on like the right hand speaker aren't they yeah and then now the food here and so good no more and they close the package door and it's in the left ear yeah. With stocking face, I bought a gun. The plan was set, the plan was done. Look at my watch and started for the door. Now the food here ain't so good no more. And they closed the package door. And to me, that's like he's gone to prison. Yeah. And that's him talking from prison from the left-hand side. And it's almost like slightly, I don't know what effect they've put on his voice, but he sounds like he's in a cupboard. 
Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's good. Oh, God loves Steely Dan. <laughs> God love him for that shit. It covers a lot of ground, this song. And I found that it's it took good. a while for me to realise exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. And I kind of wondered if they knew somebody like that because it feels like quite a personal song. It does. And whether they knew somebody, it's almost like they must have because it's so powerful. Yeah. The language they're using, talking about loving your mother and loving your brother and then talking about and just the, the way it kind of goes on a little journey and the, the, the distinct sections of the song. Yeah. And just kind of begging yeah. Jesus to... Yeah let him live long enough to redeem himself yeah oh michael oh jesus you know i'm not to blame you know my reputation for playing a good clean game oh michael oh jesus i'll keep my promise when You know, you have that in the choruses, but then in the verses, he's pretty much like his fate is pre-written. There's not yeah. going to be any way to get off it. It gets progressively more bleak as the song yeah. progresses, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, With yeah, yeah. Make mine a double Sam. Yeah. The old uh, Casablanca yeah. reference. But it's heroin. Yeah. That horrible. Again, it won't be the first time that we talk about heroin on no. this show. No, uh, it's a theme. Yeah. Gambling, heroin. Losers. Moaning about women. Yes. Whiskey. Whiskey, yeah. And just wanting to see the world burn. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and that's kind of like where we end the album, isn't it? Yeah. Just hoping that things are going to be okay, but... But they're probably not. They're probably not. Oh, well, it's fine. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed revisiting this record. I haven't actually sat down and dissected anything like this for a really long time. And I've loved it. And I feel like I know these songs. I feel like I'm best friends with them all. Amazing. That does feel really good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great. And even though it's not, like you say, it's not the strongest album, there's so much to it. Yeah. And how dare they? How dare they? How dare they come out as this being their debut album? Yeah. There's... Like, I know they waited around for a long time for it to happen, but my God, it's a bunch it's... of chances. Yeah, and it only gets better. Being so... It's been a really, really fun experience just yeah. going through everything and researching stuff. Yeah, like you say, listening with purpose. Yes, listening with purpose. Yeah, I love it. So... We'll be back next week to talk about Steely Dan's second record, 1973, Countdown to Ecstasy. And shit's going to get real. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back to geek out about Steely Dan again. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you've enjoyed it. Our next episode will be up in two weeks' time. So stick around and we'll catch you then. <laughs>